it is good to see you all in the house of God this morning. It's a little bit after 11, and to be a respecter of time, we'll probably only get through the first point in our sermon, and if we get through it, depending on how much time is left, we, we may call it good for the day. I think there's still a lot we can get out of it today, out of what we're talking about. We're uh, continuing our sermon series on the seven I wills, or seven promises of Christ, what he has promised to his people. And we're just going to jump right in with some scripture reading. So if you are willing and you are able, please stand as we read from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, starting with the first verse. Hear now the words of the living and true God. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus speaking. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I have told you, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father." How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest or make myself appear to him. Thanks be to God for his word. Let us pray. Father, we just read the words of Christ out loud. I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit, our helper, our comforter, to interpret the scriptures for us. Open our ears, open our hearts and minds to the truth. Write this on our hearts, Lord. We need you. If you don't help us this morning... We can't understand. We can't love you more, and we can't be shaped more to be like Christ. We trust you. 
We love you. And in Christ's name we pray. The people of God said, Amen. You may be seated. Now our scripture reading, it takes place on the night of Jesus' betrayal. On the Last Supper, Jesus had been telling the Jews for several chapters uh, right before this in John's Gospel and his disciples for some time that he was going to be leaving them. He was going away, and they didn't understand what he meant. Some of the Jews thought he meant he's going to kill himself. And now at the Last Supper, he's bringing it up again. Uh, and soon, their, this, their beloved Jesus, he was going to get crucified for the sins of the world. And his followers would abandon him in his time of need. But Jesus is taking this time to prepare them for that hour, this time they have together. But imagine if you were those disciples. You're in this upper room. He just washed your feet. You just took the Last Supper. You know, you just did the Passover, all that stuff. And he'd bring it up again, this painful idea that your Jesus is leaving you. And you don't really understand what he means. He's been saying it openly, like, you know, carry your cross and stuff. But they're not connecting the dots yet. Think of all the thoughts you might be having. Like, Jesus, you can't go away. You're my guy, Jesus. You're the guy. You, you have all the answers. You know, you teach with authority. And you, you know our hearts and our minds, Jesus. You literally can look into my soul and tell me what I'm thinking and feeling. You're the guy. You can do miracles, Jesus. You've, held, you've healed the lepers. You've, you've raised the dead at this point. You have all power. You can do anything. And as Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the very Son of God. You can't leave your people now. What are you talking about? And even though Jesus keeps telling them it's good for him to go away, like it, think of what that would be like. That, that wouldn't make sense to you. But Jesus knows their hearts. He knows their fears. He knows what they're thinking even in this moment. So he makes them a great promise. A promise that encapsulates the gospel and it still applies to us today. He promised to comfort them. He promises to comfort us, his holy people. And the comfort of Christ's promises centers around two short consecutive statements in verse 18. It's where we get the bulk of our sermon idea from. Verse 18, the promise of comfort has two parts. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus' comfort is that we're not left alone in this life. And Jesus' comfort is that he will return to his disciples. We will probably only touch on the first one about not being left alone today, given our time. But I still think there's a lot to get out of the idea that we're never left fatherless in this Christian life. So we're going to examine the first one. Jesus does not leave us fatherless or as orphans, however your Bibles may translate that. Because an orphan is people who are abandoned. Orphans are children normally, but even adults who have no more family. And Jesus says, I will not do that to you. I will not leave you fatherless or as orphans. And this is ultimately, church, referring to Jesus giving the gift of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Jesus even calls his name the Parakletos or Parakletos, however you've been taught that. The Paraclete. You may have heard that in Sunday school or you're being in church long enough. You know, the Paraclete is going to come to us. And it's a Greek word that can be translated in different ways, but it can mean an advocate, a helper, a comforter, an intercessor. Different ideas, big semantic range, but the idea is the same, is that the Holy Spirit really is a helper. He's our comfort. He's, he's our, there for our time in need. And he, the idea is when Jesus says, I'm going to give you this other comforter, it means that he's going to send someone just like himself to the apostles and eventually to the whole church. Someone that will be just like me for you. 
And his name literally denotes what he does. The Spirit actually does help us, comfort us, and intercede for us. And the New Testament has a lot to say on the role of the Holy Spirit. And right before this promise, or after it, Jesus kind of elaborates on the idea of the Spirit coming to the disciples, how he won't leave them fatherless, how he's going to send this helper to them. He won't abandon them in their time of need. In verse 25, right after this, he says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, or the comforter, or the advocate, whatever your English Bible translates it as, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. There's the idea that even the Spirit brings the peace of Christ. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So we see the role of the Holy Spirit. That is, is he brings the comfort of Jesus. He acts like a Jesus to us. And the reason why the Holy Spirit is Jesus' comforter and helper, one of the main reasons is because of what the Spirit actually does to us, in us, and for us when we receive him. He connects us to Jesus Christ himself. The Spirit connects us to Jesus. For just as Christ and the Father are one, Jesus and his people are one. For Christ said concerning his people, he said, May you all, you Christian people, may they all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they, all you Christian people, also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's this idea that the people of God are bound together with the person of Christ. And this is something that we call the doctrine of the union of Christ. And the older Christian theologians called it the mystical union with Christ. There's this idea that wherever Jesus is, so are we. Because the Christ and his bride, the church, also called his body, they're inseparable. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to connect us in this way, to add us to Christ. For Scripture says that for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Or because of the work of the Spirit, you are joined to Christ. And he uses a lot of marriage imagery. You know, when the two become one flesh, that's, that's the idea of our connection with Christ because of the Spirit. It's what he does. Therefore, it is appropriate for Jesus to say he doesn't leave us as orphans because Jesus is literally present with us right now. And do you believe that? You can't see him, you can't feel him, but the scripture time and time and time again says that wherever the bride is, the bridegroom is there. And wherever the bridegroom is at, the bride is there. There's always this connected language about Jesus and his people. So this is a true statement that I hope you really write down in your heart. Again, if there's anything you hear today, and why this is a comforting message is this. It's because wherever you are, Christian, personally, and as a church, wherever you are, Christ is there. And wherever Christ is, there you are. You are never separate from Jesus, ever. Even when you can't feel him, even in your deepest, darkest depression, even when things seem so bleak and miserable and awful, 
Jesus swears by his word. He says, I am with you, and you are with me. You are never, ever alone. Ever. And this is all through the virtue of the Holy Spirit. And when we think about this closeness, this why this is so comfortable, is really especially because life is painful. There's a lot of suffering in this life, isn't there? There's a lot of hardship in this life. And so when you think of God comforting his people, this promise should ring true that Jesus says, I'm, I, I know you can't see me. I know you can't feel me, but I'm with you. Do you believe that? And we say this, guys, not just to make ourselves feel good when times are bad. This is not just some psychological training that we recite to ourselves to get through bad times. It's a spiritual reality in the living God. The eternal God swears it. And we talk about, we sang about the Spirit today. That's what he does. He joins us to his Son, or to the Son. This is why the apostles and the rest of the New Testament will say stuff like we're going to read Paul will say things like, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And take note of what the apostle said. God's real comfort is something that you experience primarily in afflictions and sufferings. People who don't need comfort aren't comforted. So if you ask and say, where's the comfort of God? I was like, well, are you suffering right now? Are you going through hardship right now? And it's like, well, then you're in joy. You don't need the comfort of God right now. But I'm telling you, everybody's going to need the comfort of Jesus sometime. Because life really can hurt. Life can be lonely. Friends can forsake us, turning their backs on us in our hour of need. Spouses can ignore us or abandon us, breaking their marriage covenant. And eventually someone we love will die and leave us in sorrow. Life is uncertain. Economies can crash. You can lose your home and your job and not know how you're going to feed your kids or pay your bills or how you'll retire. You can lose it all in the stock market in a moment. Cancer and disease can consume you. And life can be filled with great violence. You can be abused and bullied in this world. Mass shootings and school murders seem to be regular in our day. Nations go to war with death and famine following in its wake. And those who follow Christ will always face the risk of persecution. I'm telling you guys, if you've lived, you know what I'm talking about. It might not always be this extreme, but life can really hurt. And if you've been hurt, and if you've been through hurt like these, or are going through hurt like this right now, you can testify to the reality of God's comfort. Other portions of Scripture call it the peace that surpasses understanding. It's, it's this complex where God does a supernatural work in the heart that makes it so we can endure life and keep in the faith. So that we can always know that God hasn't forsaken us, that he's always with us. It's a work of the Spirit. And it's not always emotional relief. Like when you're, if you've been really low, if you've been in the deepest, darkest depression where you can see no light, even though factually it's there, even if you can't see it, you may not always feel that emotional relief, will you? 
but the comfort of God is still present. It transcends our emotions, transcends our rational thinking, transcends how you feel. It's an objective reality for the people of God. It's a promise. God comforts his hurting bride. And if you're Christian, that means you. Because just as the Father ministered to the Christ in his earthly years, Jesus comforts his bride because of his great love for us. He sees us through our pains and brings us through the storm. Therefore, take heart, Christian. Christ is with you. I don't know what more we could say about that other than it's true. How do you experience that? You just do. You can't learn this type of stuff. But if you've been through pain and you tell the story, you will be able to, and I've, we've had testimonies even in this church. They'll share the pain. They'll share the hurt of the reality. And sometimes things don't get better, right? Sometimes it doesn't get better or consequences linger or whatever. But the testimony is almost always the same. It's like, I don't know how I got through it. Things are still bad. Maybe things didn't change at all. But God kept my heart. He protected my heart. He kept me in the faith. He reminded me of his great surpassing love for me. I mean, think of the comfort if you were staring down the barrel of a weapon for the sake of Christ or someone's going to lob your head off for the name of Jesus Christ and you're a missionary. I know it's extreme, but it happens, right? Over 50,000 of our brothers and sisters have been killed in Nigeria over the last, what, 15 years or so from Islamic extremists. That's just Nigeria. Could you imagine every single one of those people, the extreme, maybe on their knees waiting for that machete to drop and the comfort of God is still true for them? That still whisper in your heart that says, I got you. Again, it transcends our rational thinking. It's something that you can't explain to people. Like you can read about it in the scriptures, but until you go through it, you can't really even teach on it. It's very personal. Maybe you've lost a child or spouse or whatever. All the things we're talking about today, when you go through it, the Christian testimony will be the same. Christ was with me. He kept me. And I promise you, if you haven't gone through hurt like that, we're all promised to go through hurt in this life. You are not exempt from it. Something happens. And Christ says, do not worry. My comfort and peace are for you. I will not leave you as an orphan. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. In your worst of worst, Christ will not abandon you. He promises that. And as the old saying goes, dawn is coming for those who are hurting in Christ. The night will pass. The dawn will come. And your Jesus will still be with you. He does not leave you or forsake you. And when you read the pages of Scripture, especially as you go through the book of Acts, time and time again, you will see the disciples be visited by the Lord Jesus. Paul in prison, the Lord himself appeared to him, and he said, Paul, paraphrase to you, it's about, I think it's Acts 21 or so. Paul is in prison, and he says, don't worry, Paul. I'm with you, but you're going to have to go testify before me in Rome. Or think of all the martyrs. Think of Stephen, the deacon, one of the first martyrs of the church, if not the first martyr other than Jesus. He, he testifies of the Lord, and the Jews stone him, and Paul, who was then Saul, is like, yes, this is good. And Stephen looks up to heaven, and he says, I see the Lord Jesus. 
and he cries out to him, and he dies in peace. It says, as they stoned him, it says he literally fell asleep. God comforted him in his last moments. Think of all the apostles every time they got arrested. They were beaten and brutalized, but they came out bold and strong because the comfort of Christ was with them, and they preached more and more and more. And if you know anything about the history of the church and the church fathers and all the spreading throughout Rome, our ancestors were tied to lamps and set on fire in the imperial city to light the streets by evil pagan kings of old. And they went to their deaths in glory, knowing that God was with them. The story will be different, but the reality is always the same. Christ does not forsake his bride. He doesn't forsake us in 2023. And even though we look around in our times now, things seem crazy. You know, nobody knows what's true anymore. Our political system is always in confusion, right? We don't even know what a woman is anymore, supposedly. Like, there's just confusion and chaos everywhere. There's wars going on all the time. Bankruptcy and huge debt is everywhere. It just just seems so out of control. And for the average Christian, it's like overwhelming how crazy life can really be. And yet, Jesus says, do not, I'm not going to, I don't leave you. You're not an orphan. And my spirit's within you, and where you are, I am at, and you are joined to me. You are my bride, the church, and I love you. And if you have never bowed the knee to Jesus Christ, what we're talking about today, you do not have. You don't have comfort in this life. And you definitely don't have comfort in your death. And even though we're not going to get to it today, one of the promises of Christ that he says right here is like, I'll come back to you. And he's talking about the resurrection and his return. The very fact that Jesus came back from the grave, he destroyed death for Christians. We don't have to be afraid to die, guys. Think about how people who don't know Jesus have no promises. And yet we've had a lot of funerals over the last year and a half or so. And the testimony every funeral is true. As Christians, our Christ doesn't forsake us in death. We have sure guarantee we will live with him forever. And if you aren't in Christ, you don't have that promise. You don't know what's going to happen to you when you die. You have no hope. You have no comfort in this life. You're just going to kind of get by. But for those who are in Christ... You are not forsaken. But to those who are outside of Christ, Jesus extends this invitation to you. We're not going to finish our sermon today, but he extends that same invitation to you to receive that comfort, to receive that peace in this life that surpasses understanding, to have peace even in death itself. But you have to bow the knee to Jesus. You have to embrace him as the Lord of lords and King of kings. You must confess him. You must know him. Will you do that? And to those Christians, and we're going to have an open altar now. We're going to kind of end on this note. If you're going through something right now and you want prayer, because what we're talking about today, as brief as it is, come and pray. Let us pray with you. God works through means. He works through his people. So when Paul says the comfort you receive, you give to others, it's because God works through his bride, the church. You get to be that Jesus to others as others get to be that Jesus to you. Pray for one another. And if right now things are awesome and great, 
Praise God. Pray for the church at large because there's a lot of Christians dying. I bet you right now, I wonder how many Christians are being murdered for the Lord Jesus Christ. Or we have secret pains right now in church that nobody knows about. Would you pray? Will you pray with us? We're going to end on this. We're already at 1130. But let's not neglect prayer for one another to be that comfort to one another. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you even now as your people. Uh, A short sermon, an abrupt sermon, but I hope that the gist of the truth is there. You promised to comfort us. You give us your spirit. You connect us to yourself. And you say wherever we are, you are at. And wherever you are at, we are at. We are never forsaken or alone. You are always with your people, even through the grave itself. Thank you for these precious promises, Lord. Encourage our hearts that no matter how painful this life can be, you are with us and you understand pain. And a day will come. You returned once from the grave. You, you, that came true, but you promised that you will come again and comfort us one last time. You swear that you will return, Lord Jesus, to your bride. And in that day, you will create the new heavens and the new earth. The dead will be raised and all things will be made new. And in this new creation, Lord, there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more misery or pain, but all things will be made new. And I pray, Lord, you would continue to encourage us in this reality. We're not alone. And I pray that the words of the apostles would be our own. That we personally and as a church can say things like the Apostle Paul did, that he says, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the prayer of the church today, Jesus. We believe that. Help us, Lord. Lay hold of this comfort in Christ Jesus. The altar is open. Be glorified in this time. Amen.